Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Today we will be dealing with the topic of what is church revitalization? Joining me again is Matthew Jacobs and Brent Snyder. Hey guys, how's it going? Going good. Good to be here. Mm-hmm. Glad to be a part of this one, Puff T. <laughs> oh me. All right. <laughs> so today uh, on the episode, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, what is revitalization and giving a definition. The Tennessee Baptist Convention put down recently that they wanted to see a certain amount of number of churches revitalized. The problem was when pressed on the definition, well it was hard to get a definition because in some ways, revitalization is a little bit of a moving target. Why would that be? Revitalization can be relative, I think. I mean... It's hard to define exactly in different contexts what revitalization is because there's different stages. I mean, we said in the last episode, we talked about a church that's plateauing, we talked about a church that's in decline, we talked about a church... It was dead, and, and all three of those instances, someone could make the case that all three of those need revitalization. But if you're looking at revitalization in the sense of a church that's plateaued, that form of revitalization is going to look different than the church that is in heavy decline or at the point of death. Yeah, and presumably easier. Right. Uh, I have a, a definition here from Mark Clifton that I'm going to read. All right. And he says, uh, church revitalization is a buzz in an evangelical church life right now. Mark Clifton goes on to say, church revitalization or a healthy church is this. It is one that has a reputation for making disciples who make disciples and whose community is noticeably better because of the existence of the church. Do you agree with that definition or not? I would say yes. I agree. All right. What uh, so then? I guess the question will be: How will we? What are going to be some marks uh, of or some some signs of a revitalized church? Would we say that it is? You know, some I've read a lot of different books and opinions on this. Some people would say it boils down to Sunday morning attendance or your most regularly attended service. And I read one definition; it was very um, specific and said that the growth coming in per year must be at least two and a half percent greater than or three percent greater than the out those that are leaving the church in a year. Uh, you have what in a church life you have something called an attrition rate. An attrition rate is going to be members who are going to leave the church either by choice or by death. So you'll have some members that are just going to die in a year and you'll have some that will leave uh, their own choice and choosing. And the attrition rate of a church is around 2 to 3% a year in a lot of churches, particularly in churches that are 100 to 200 in size. Uh, how much of a factor is, you know, those the feet in the door and, and people sitting in the pews on defining this thing? You, you've got to be careful to base the effectiveness of revitalization too much on numbers. You know, we talked about that a little bit in the last episode, but, you know, you could have... You can have a sanctuary full of people on Sunday mornings, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're effective in revitalization because those hundreds of people might not have wholeheartedly embraced a biblical 
uh, the hopefully the biblical mission of the church, um, the biblical the biblical church mission. And I would say that, that probably is the first sign of revitalization that the church embraces a, a biblical mission. You know, it's, and they they pursue that uh, faithfully and, and passionately. And so, just because your attendance is high doesn't necessarily mean that that's in place. But numbers can be an indicator as well. You just have to be careful. I mean, let's sit there and think about it. Um, let's say in the process of revitalization, you bring in a new pastor. Like, let's say your church is in Boato, your church is in decline. Um, you vote out, or the former pastor leaves, a new pastor comes in. A few episodes ago, we talked about how, you know, if you bring in something new, people are interested in what's new. And so you could sit there very easily and see at the very beginning, early stages of revitalization with the new pastor, people are just being curious about what is going on. And so if people are just showing up because they're curious and we say, oh, we've had 15 more people start coming to our church in the last three months, that's not always a sign that that's going on. That, that's just people that are curious about what's going on in the community. So I don't think you can always judge it off the numbers. I think it's important, to, it's important to look and see how many of the people in the church are utilizing their spiritual gifts for the advancement of the gospel in the church. Yeah, so, you know, we did an interview with Kevin Minchie, who is the church revitalization specialist here for the Tennessee Baptist Convention. Kevin Minchie made, in my opinion, is an excellent point, and he said, no matter where your church is, like in the life cycle or how they're doing, he said that at the bottom line, there is going to be one area of the church that is going to be in need of revitalization. And so you think about all the different functions of the church, you know, in evangelism and disciple making and being missional, you know, no church is doing everything well. No established church is doing everything well. There's always room for growth in some area or form or category. Some ways, every church is going to constantly be in need of revitalization somewhere. So we're talking about the definition of revitalization. This is going to be a silly question to some. Is it possible to revitalize without significant change? Mm. What are you defining as significant change as far as leadership, as, you know, ecclesiastical change or you know, programming change? What are we look what are we talking about here? Well, I think again, like I said a minute ago with I mean this is this is relative, I think, because you, some churches I don't think would see ecclesiastical change or leadership change as significant. You know, it's just mm-hmm. something that happens all the time. Yeah. But uh I just without without a visibly noticeable change to the status quo. Let me put it that way. I'm going to say no. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give a big resounding no. You know, it's, there's a ancient, what is it? I think it's a Chinese proverb or something that uh, you you cannot keep doing what you're doing and expect different results. You know, what you're doing provides the results you're getting. And if what you're doing has led the church into a decline of some kind, whether it be a spiritual maturity decline. You know, those have, they've accepted and settled into just a kind of normative immaturity among the believers in the body, or if it is a decline in numbers, or if it's a decline in passion for the Great Commission or being missional. Those core things have to change, right? If you go back to the episodes on core values and on, you know, 
just values in general. I think that there has to be change there, and then it's going to outwork into programs and things around the church and things that are, are visible. But I think there has got to be, at first, an internal change. I think sometimes there is external changes, but there's no internal changes, and the external changes can't support as a foundation the needed shifts in revitalization. Yeah, I think, you know, as we talk about defining revitalization, I just think it's important to acknowledge the fact that the change is going to have to happen because, you know, the idea of revitalization, you know, you can present that to a church and it'd be very appealing. You know, we're going to revitalize. We're going to fill these shoes up again and all this is going to be great. And you can sell revitalization without including reality that things are going to have to change. Yeah, that's, so, an, that's an excellent point because I think sometimes, I know in one church I pastored in a different state, they were all fine with bringing people in just like them, who thought like them, you know, white, middle-income, fox-watching Republicans who, you know, were, they're good with them coming in, who thought Baptist polity was, uh, you know, perfect and there were no issues. Fine with bringing in people like that. Think like us, act like us, have 401ks like us. We're good with that. The tension's going to be reaching those people that are different. Yeah. Yeah, and with, you know, with this idea of, with this idea of change and how, you know, the, the faces inside the church may change, but it's, it's interesting as you start thinking about this, you know, in my experience, the two, the two most important things to do if you're going to lead revitalization is get the people to embrace the fact that change is going to have to happen, but also get people to come alongside you to help you and make sure that you change the right things. Because, you know, just because you need to revitalize doesn't mean that everything has to change. No. Yeah, because if you get the wrong people in there, they're going to change the wrong thing. Which brings me to one of my favorite statements that Brent, Brent makes. He said, churches find themselves either... Uh, in need of revitalization because they have not changed the things that they should have changed or they have changed the things that they should have never changed. So, you know, our, I guess, former first cousins, denominationally, the Methodist Church, they're one of the larger church denominations here in the U.S. Uh, they're having a battle for the soul of the Methodist Church, and it boils down to uh, changing things they should have never changed uh, on the se- sexual ethic uh, of the Old and New Testament. There is a continued consistency that is there. Uh, I think the African churches were the ones that held to biblical truth in their last conference, but it looks like they're going to be separating out, which I think in their type of polity and system, breaking up that those churches from one another is going to be rough because you got retirements and church buildings all kind of wrapped up in the same pot, so to speak. Yeah, you give a definition one time, Travis, and I think it was, I think it might have been at the spring meeting, the first spring meeting that you uh, spoke at for the Avery Association, but there was something along the lines in finding church revitalization of the process of taking a plateau or a dying church, a declining church, something like that, and transforming it into a biblical, healthy, and, and growing church. Yeah. And, you know, that, like, you know, for me, the transforming, that's just, uh, that's dressing up the language of change, right? Because yeah. change is a scary word in our, in our yeah. churches. But I mean, so, you, can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't approach a definition of revitalization without embracing the, 
the necessity of change. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and part of that, we'll get into this more as we talk about how to do this, but, you know, churches may need to go through a season of mourning where they mourn those past, you know, methodologies that were effective and, and then they're looking to how God is working and moving now. But sometimes those seasons of grief are critical for that transformative process. I mean, you think about your own salvation. When Christ found you apart from him and you were a sinner in need of salvation, you had part of the salvation process is you have to own your sin and you have to lament over that sin. Uh, you know, that's just kind of part of it and taking responsibility and lamenting uh, that. So, you know, that's that's part of being transformational. So I think, yeah, you cannot define revitalization just in terms of numbers. It must be determined in terms of biblical faithfulness and health, both as a body collectively and as individuals, that we're not just building churches, but we're building individuals in Christ and we're building people. Uh, the reality is no organism that is living is going to be any more healthy than it is at the most cellular level. You know, if every cell of, an, of a living organism is sick and infected or cancerous, what kind of living organism do you have? You have one that is uh, very unhealthy. You have one that may be on the crux of death. And so we have to talk, I think, leaving out a conversation about building disciples in Christ is... Um, frankly, devastating in the event of trying to define church revitalization. If you are going to look at numbers, you know, if you were just so determined to look at numbers, then I would actually encourage you to look at your Wednesday night numbers or your Bible study numbers, whatever, you know, if you're doing a Sunday school fight or whatever other missional communities, whatever other type of Bible study, small group things you've got going on, look at those numbers because you may have if you have 200 people in worship service and 30 people on Wednesday night and 50 people in small groups, uh, there's an issue there. Breach. <laughs> so I was just kind of poking around here and for the sake of definitions and to, to let us talk about this a little more, I'm going to give you another one. And this is kind of part of that moving target that is church revitalization. But this is a definition that you will find on the Tennessee Baptist Convention's website. And it's under a tab there and on this issue of church revitalization. And here's how they define it. They say, church revitalization is a process which moves a plateaued or declining church toward a healthy and sustained environment in which the following become a reality. One, greater evangelistic effectiveness. Two, increased, I can't read that. Oh, increased participation in worship and Bible study. Sorry, my eyes are getting tired. Three, a rewarded faithfulness and stewardship. And four, growth in community and missions involvement. Uh, and it says here, the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board is committed to assisting churches throughout the state that are facing these conditions. They also mention in this, they want to see 500 churches reach this definition by 2024 and they say on here that they estimate 70 to 80% of churches in the state of Tennessee to be in need of revitalization. So let's, let's talk about their definition here. Of course, they're basing theirs here off of the, you know, if you're not familiar with plateau and declining in that language, you need to go back and listen to the previous episode to this one. But this is a partially a numeric definition 
But the solution here the TBC gives is not defined just in terms of numbers, even though those are mentioned here. And so I'm glad to see that they have given a little more substance to this. What do you guys think about their definition of church revitalization? Again, I think the key word there was participation because, you know, it, talking about evangelism and uh, the, well, it was maybe fellowship or something was included in there too. Yeah, so it's greater effective evangelism, increased participation in worship and Bible study, a renewed faithfulness and stewardship, so they're giving, and then growth in community and missions involvement. Yeah, so they only used the word participation once, but really particip- all of those are indicators of participation. I mean, the evangelism requires participation, and so uh, all of that requires participation, some on a more personal level, some on a on an outreach level. But, you know, for me, that's, that's the key word there is participation who who is actually participating and not just attending you know recently in a deacons meeting i had we um, we were discussing this i notice here a difference in the definition between they're distinguishing between evangelistic efforts and missions involvement and community growth so growth in community i think the growth in community is probably somewhat of an internal thing in the body is the way i would read that not necessarily in the community at large, you know, the demographics surrounding the church. And I think the mission's involvement would be more the engagement of that on the on the demographic level. But I think even that mission's involvement's not just that particular demographic, but also mission's partnerships may be some of the things that are in mind there. In addition to that, the evangelistic effort, I think that's probably more on an individual effort uh, but pushed at a wider collective stance. Does that make sense what I'm saying there? I think that's how they're defining that. You know, we're moving the church. Really, one of the, you know, what, what breaks up marriages? Self-centeredness and selfishness. What puts churches into a position where they need revitalization? Really the root and same thing. Thinking the church exists for us. Thinking the church exists solely for our own comfort and our own enjoyment and our own preferences. And when we, when we center this on internalness, you know, you look at this, if you take the TBC's definition and you do the reverse, right? Less evangelistic effectiveness, decreased participation in worship and Bible study, a, a relinquishing of faithfulness and stewardship. So they're giving less and then decrease in community with one another and then decrease in missions involvement you have the definition of a church that's in need of revitalization, right? Yeah. So, all right. Any other comments there on the TBC's definition? So as we can see from these efforts and from these definitions here that it's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different parts and, and, and moving pieces to this. But at the end of the day, if we had to really boil it down, we're talking about moving a church from being internally focused and self-centered to being externally focused and putting others in front of themselves. So that means every member is going to be reaching out to other members and putting their preferences and needs ahead of their own. And then also the church at large doing the same for that community that surrounds them. So, all right, guys, I think we went a little long in the last episode, and I think it's about time to land the plane here. Any closing thoughts or comments before we end this episode on defining church revitalization? Uh, I think we're good. I think you did a good job of um, explaining explaining what this is and uh, realizing I, I liked I liked y'all's y'all's definition through the Tennessee Baptist. I like the way how you're impacted a church that's doing less evangelistic. Um, and the opposite of that is a church that's in need of it. So I think for those of us that are listening to this, 
we need to ask ourselves, you know, are we doing the things that revitalization says we're doing or are we doing the opposite? And if we're doing the opposite, maybe we need to sit there and say, okay, God, what is it you are calling me and my church to do to reverse what we're currently doing? Yeah. And let me, and let me say this too. Like if I'm, if I had to, you know, I'm, I want to write a revitalization formula, but you got to remember that, you know, when you're talking about core beliefs changing and heart change, that's Holy Spirit work. You know, yeah, that's the work of the Spirit. And that's got to happen. That's a critical ingredient for any revitalization to really happen. It's got to be of the Lord to work. So, all right, guys, thanks. Uh, appreciate your time. Tune in next time. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.